The following program is brought to you by Mind's Eye, the virtual newsstand. Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, Executive Director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. And we have our co-host, the fabulous Natalie Jablonski, the nonprofit ninja. Thanks, specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Okay, hey. Natalie. Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to be here. The yes. time has changed. I'm completely confused, but I'm happy to be here. All right. So imagine this. I'm you're, ready. You're toiling away in your career. That happens. You're putting in the time. Yes. You're making the sacrifices. Absolutely. And then it finally happens. Yes. You get the top job. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so suddenly you go from being one of the gang to yeah. being the man. Which is so cool, but <laughs> I bet that's got a lot of challenges. It does. You're learning management and leadership all under the watchful eyes of the people that you once went to happy hour with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is tricky. Yes. Um, today's guest, Katie Ron of the uh, Southside Early Childhood Center has been there. Katie, welcome. And tell us a little bit about you and the center. Oh, well, thank you for having me, first of all. Of course. Um well, I have been in the field of early childhood for, gosh, 15 years in a variety of capacities. I've been a program director. I've been a teacher at one point, a consultant to other programs, a college instructor, pretty much everything. <laughs> so um, at Southside, I've been the program director, and now I'm the executive director. And our mission is to... Educate and inspire kids and families six weeks to five years old with high quality education, health and mental health services, and then also family support programming to increase the stability of the household. Awesome. So when you started at the center, what position were you in? I was the program director. And then was your next step the, the top position? Yes. Okay. So that was a big step. <laughs> it was a big step, but actually, um, for me, it really, I was prepared in that I had a wonderful executive director who was in the position before me who really um, sort of targeted that as a goal for me before I did for myself, I think. Well, that's awesome. That's yes. a good sign of good leader. She was an amazing leader and, um, and still is. <laughs> she saw that I wanted to do more and was always asking to do more and, and really brought me in on so many tasks long before I became executive director that I was really ready once she decided that she was ready to be done. I was ready to move into her place. Awesome. So were you, did you have to go through the whole application process or did the board give you the crown right away? <laughs> no, I had to go through the application I want a process. Crown. They give crowns? Yes. I'm yeah, still waiting for my, I don't know. Oh, Big man. <laughs> Big dreams. Oh. I, um, I did actually have to go through the interview process in which I think was really hard at points, but then also really good because, you know, in the end, um, you know, we could really confidently say that I, you know, that I got the job. On, you were the best candidate, you know, right? Because I was the best candidate for it, which was difficult to go through that process. Um, but I think in the long run, it was the best way to do it. Absolutely. I had a very similar experience becoming a DF Mind's Eye where I was kind of in a community outreach development program. Like I just, I can't keep my hands out of other people's business mm -hmm. role. Um, and 
even though, yeah, my former director kind of groomed me for it, still had to go through the whole thing. And I think it was, that was good. Yeah. I had both experiences. So I, I progressed several different levels within uh, one location I was at for 10 years. And the first time I went to take my first step into management. So I was going from a frontline to a management role. I did interview. I interviewed not only with uh, my current supervisor, uh, but I interviewed also with the board chair and then a couple key volunteers. And it was a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. But it again, I think you're right. It reinfor- reinforced that not only was I the right pick, but I helped it helped me reinforce to the other community members and the other staff that I was that right pick to move into that role. Now, once I was in management, it was a little different. And whenever there were different responsibilities where a promotion took place, it was more of a conversation of we're thinking of doing a restructure. And if we did that, we would we would like to perhaps you know move this particular department underneath you. And how would that look like? And so it was more of a conversation mm-hmm. as opposed to an application process, but mostly because it was a redesign of a new role. Right. So I think that we see that a lot at nonprofit as well, where we wear so many hats. So when someone leaves, we kind of shift things around and say, well, it was organized like this. Do we still want to organize it like that? Right. So some of our listeners may be having that experience as well. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's really important for organizations and leaders to know where they're at in their life cycle. In that way, is it time to restructure, reorganize? Is everyone's best talents being utilized most efficiently and effectively? Yes. So I, I see it both ways and just depending on where the organization is in terms of its health and progress and growth, yeah, it can be handled differently. And I think different boards and different management teams are going to handle it a little differently too. I think, you know, get, get some of those hands off boards and they're just like, let's just get this done. Yes. <laughs> right. Talked about that. A Which bit I think show. we've seen even in our conversations with peers, mm-hmm. Marjorie, that yeah. we, that that can be mistake to be yes. that hands-off. So even though it's <laughs> grueling to go through an interview process, it's important for the board to be involved when it comes yeah. to the, the top job. Yeah. Well, they need that buy-in. They mm-hmm. really need the buy-in. Yes. <laughs> so what about whenever that change takes place? You know, we were discussing before now you, you're in a new role. So the staff that you were with, the donors you were with, the board members you were with, you're new, you're different. So what was that, what were those relationship changes like uh, between those different groups? Yes, it was interesting. So although I was in charge of, of the entire teaching and program staff, I was not in charge of our CFO or development person or person who's managing the family partnership programming. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely an adjustment internally in terms of uh, making sure that I had their buy-in, that they, number one, knew that I was going for the job and that they supported me in that search or, Mm -hmm. you know, process, which they did, which made it, which made it much easier. But then also, (laughs) you know, continuing to, to work on that in when our roles shifted and when it became time for me to start giving the directions that it didn't change our relationship in the sense that I still very much valued their opinions and wanted their opinions to come out and in the way that they always had when we were (laughs) peers, you know, of course we had to shift that dynamic, but I think it's about having the right people on your team. Mm-hmm. And I came to realize that we had almost the right formation, if you will. And I had to make some decisions about who 
was going to stay and who was going to go and what was best for the organization. So that's, you know, always challenging. That's tough. Yeah. But a lot of Especially that has as a to new do leader. with, I'm a new leader. I'm different than the person who was at the helm before. I have different skills and talents, um, different approaches to things. Mm-hmm. So f- number one, understanding what I wanted my own role to be in the organization and what, um, you know, key jobs I was going to really be involved in, mm-hmm. I found were different than the previous executive directors. And that was a little bit challenging to, to kind of work that through and then realize, wait a minute, there's some redundancy here. And yeah. also we have other needs in other places and let's work through that, which in the case of my organization resulted in a little bit of a restructure. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. Sometimes I think mm-hmm. now, uh, one of the things that I think I've, um, found a, a find a lot actually is okay so you go from one role in the organization to the other role in the organization how hard is it to give up that old role <laughs> yes Ooh. yeah because you you like to keep your hands in i do everything. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a growth uh, moment for me was to have to step back and really let the person who i had hired to be the program director be the program director yeah. and Well, at the same time, supporting her and and coaching her, but letting her take the reins on so many of the tasks that that were second nature to me at -hmm. that point Mm -hmm. and letting her learn and letting her have some challenges that she could learn from is important for her growth and for my own sense of this is fine and she can handle this and Mm -hmm. I can step back and focus on other things. Yeah. So that's, I mean, there's a, there's a growth period there. So yeah. what about the people who were around her in particular, such as uh, board members or volunteers or other staff, you know, the way you always did it and the way now she's trying to do it, were they, would they go around her and ask you for <laughs> things or would they say, well, now when Katie did it, she did it like this. So what, did you get any of that? I think so. Although she was um, one of the teachers okay. at the organization. So she was used to my ways of doing certain things. And I think we were, we had a chance to kind of proactively talk through what she wanted to keep the same. I was very open with her by saying, come and tell me if you find something that you want to do differently, you are not me. I am not you. You know, you need to do things your own way. Let's talk through it and make sure it makes sense. Make sure we still hit, you know, the regulations and the, you know, what we, the, the, what, the, what to it. Right. Like but the how, right. Yeah. Things. <laughs> like the how can be different, you know? So I think that was um, really important for her to have some room to define her own leadership style. And as a part of that, I am a huge proponent of leadership coaching. So putting some coaching in place for her, for me, during the transition was really important. Did you guys share a coach? Or? We did actually, which I'm, I think um, I gave her the choice of if she wanted somebody different. I had worked with this coach for a long time, mm-hmm. really liked her style and she knew our organization well. And so I gave my um, program director the choice if she wanted her or somebody else. And she also knew of her through other activities we had done. So she did select her as well. But I just think it's important that people have an outside um, set of eyes and somebody who can help them get perspective on yeah. big or small issues yeah. and help them work it through who's not their boss. So if some of our listeners are taking on to this and the light bulbs are going off and they're saying maybe this is someone I need to hire, what type of qualities did you look for in finding a coach to help you that might help the, our listeners mm-hmm. to identify someone that could help them? 
So I was very fortunate that it, that Southside was selected as a Deaconess Impact Partner way back when in 2008. And as a part of that, there was a lot of capacity building with the leadership team. So we nice. were connected to our coach who we used through the Deaconess Foundation. Okay. But there are, there are several coaches out there, even, you know, I know in the St. Louis region that specifically focus on nonprofits and nonprofit leaders because our issues are different, mm-hmm. but they understand, um, for profit in the corporate world. So they can transfer a lot of the sort of theory behind leadership development and just self development mm-hmm. into our arena. Yeah. So, you know, we're usually smaller. We have fewer employees. There are fewer people, fewer resources, you know, things like that. that they can understand and help you problem solve was really good for me. But also you have to find somebody who you feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It's just like any other relationship. I feel like yeah. you want somebody to tell it like it is. <laughs> you want somebody or, you know, are you more comfortable with somebody who's going to kind of lead you down the path? Yeah. You know, I it just depends on your own personality. Do you need a coach or you need a cheerleader? Exactly. Or a mentor? Exactly. I was a, you know, tell me, tell me like it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's my personality. Yeah. So, you know, you have to find somebody that you're going to feel comfortable with in that yeah. relationship. I've worked with a couple of coaches over the years and some have been really great relationships and others have been, I'm not sure that we Mesh. understand each other. <laughs> you don't want someone who you're going to feel angry with yeah. when you leave your conversations. You want somebody that you feel like, oh, wow, I can't wait to talk to them yeah. next week or, you know, whenever. Absolutely. I think sometimes it's a struggle for someone who's looking at what does the next five years mean mm-hmm. for them? And they ask themselves, well, I wish I was in charge, but do I really want to be in charge? So what are some of those questions maybe that, that you all asked yourself about what you wanted to do next that made you know you were ready for that next step or that you wanted that next step? That's a great question. I think for me, it was more about our mission and our work, and I could see how our organization was position to do more mm-hmm. and that we had a really bright future ahead of us. And I wanted to be a part of the reason why that could keep going. Mm-hmm. We had made it through some, you know, we're 130 years old, so we've had many ups and downs, <laughs> over, mainly ups, you know, but some right. downs too. And actually we were kind of went through a down right before I came on board and we were in a growth phase and It was really exciting, and I really wanted to be able to help continue that. Mm -hmm. So I think once I realized that it was this organization that I was so, so passionate about the work, that that was the only motivation I really needed. Yeah. For for me, it's that I'm power hungry and I've been wanted to be in charge. <laughs> Aren't we all? Well, there's there's the honesty. <laughs> no, but I like I I've found that I know that I work best when I have a lot of autonomy and mm-hmm. and actually I've been lucky to have to have bosses that understood that and work let me work within that. But I I think I do my best work when I I'm in more of a leadership position um, because. I, I'm bossy. And, well, no, and it's okay. I know you said, said it kind of tongue in cheek that you yeah. want to be in charge, but really yeah. that's a personality mm-hmm. trait, a leadership trait. So Absolutely. if you're in a role and you enjoy having those responsibilities and you're not getting them, 
that's that could be a, a big dissatisfier, and you oh, could yeah. really have a, a disengagement with your with your colleagues. Yeah. So at least you're able to identify that else again. Like I, I don't think I could be like not the boss. Like working for a board is different, right? Uh, right. So, but uh, actually working for somebody above me as the as the ED or you know COO or whatever would be be really that would be a hard hard transition for me to make at this point. I think. Yes, I agree. So, yeah, it, I, I think for I think for me too it was the idea that I knew I wanted to make a bigger impact and I had mm-hmm. these big ideas and I wanted to, the only way I could see that I would be able to implement some of those if I had the responsibility to make those decisions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I knew I wanted to do something more and so. When I looked at other departments or other people I was taking on, you were mentioning, you know, your CFO and some of your other areas where you weren't in charge before, but Mm -hmm. now you were. So Mm -hmm. for me, that was the, when am I going to be ready to be comfortable with the uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't, uh, if finance isn't my thing, it's it's not something that I love, uh, which is why I have great people who do a great job with it. But uh, if that's not, so when am I going to be comfortable enough to say, okay, I'm going to own that budget. If I take that position, am I ready Right. To be comfortable with the uncomfortable and to be able to face that. And uh, if I'm not, then now is not the time for me to be promoted. So yeah. I always tell people who are trying to do a gut check as to, am I ready to take that next step? And we have conversations, you know, on the side about what that looks like as I'm coaching them. I'll ask those questions. So what type of responsibilities do they have and what scares you the most? Mm-hmm. And are you ready to face that fear? And if you're not, then now is not the time to take that step, even if the timing is perfect on every other element. You have to own it because if, for going back to the finance example, if you're not ready for that and you get in a position where now you do have budget responsibilities or you do have fiscal, large fiscal responsibilities, mm-hmm. you are going to be, have a challenge as being successful because you, you, you're shying away from it and you're running from it and you won't face it. And that's going to provide you a lot of discomfort, not only for yourself, but also with your team. They're going to see that. They're going to, they're going to, and they're going to feed off of it if there's some animosity going on. Right. And I think, you know, just listening to you talk about that, I think that that might be a reason why program people Mm -hmm. shy away from moving into ED roles or CEO roles because of that kind of fear of some of those pieces that as a program person, you're not typically in charge of. Right. So it really does take some visioning and some good mentors to get a taste for it, at least, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times people aren't exposed to it enough until they're in that position. So it's, it's good for us to, to, to let people experience that. So they know that they don't have to be afraid of it Yeah, (laughs) and that the best leaders really do surround themselves with people who can fill in their gaps. Amen. Cause I am, I tell people all the time that I'm not an accountant, never (laughs) will be, never want to be. So, but I love to ask questions. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if you can have someone that can help you answer those questions and you can understand it and, um, my director of administration uh, is adorable because she will constantly tell me, good job, Nelly, you asked a good question. <laughs> right. I'll say two things. Uh, but uh, it's the idea that you just have to own it. And right. so, you know, for those of our listeners who are thinking, am I ready for those next steps? And the good, the bad, and the ugly, what's mm-hmm. that look like? Uh, the question just becomes, what's your ugly and are you ready to face it? Absolutely. Right. So what about the idea of, so you're promoting this new spot and you've got these other staff members uh, supportive in your case, have you seen it where it hasn't worked out that way for other people and there's been some animosity? Have you mm-hmm. ever experienced that or seen someone experience that in nonprofit management? Cause it's not always roses and fun. No, I think there's definitely, I, I definitely think it happens. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I know for, you know, internally when we made our transition, we saw a little bit of mm, hesitation from Mm -hmm. some peers of our new program director because she was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so it was difficult to move from a teacher to a supervisor. She had been friends with these folks. Yes. Like you said, went to happy hour together, Mm -hmm. been in each other's weddings, you know, those sort of things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So it was about, you know, creating some new boundaries and maintaining them and really right off the bat setting limits and not letting people take advantage, which I think there were unfortunately some who tried. Yeah. But that's unfortunate. It's, it is unfortunate. And I think also in a, in an environment where, you know, we pride ourselves on all being kind and nice and, you know, generous with time and things like that. It, it was a slippery slope that she had to pretty quickly say, wait a minute, I'm not going to let you take advantage of me. I think that's where the phrase mm-hmm. is lonely at the top. Yep. Kind of comes from because yeah. it's not necessarily that no one wants to be friends with you. It's that you almost have to put yourself as a distance between that mm-hmm. and create some boundaries mm-hmm. and it can feel lonely at times. Yep. You know, and, um, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't create some of those boundaries, then you do get the, the, the bad apple that will spoil the whole bunch and right. take advantage it's kind of, of a it. creep yeah. on those, on those limits. Yeah. I've seen, uh, individuals be the interim ED and then a different different other employee ends up getting the top job. Maybe the board Mm -hmm. wasn't looking closely enough when they put the interim in. And that, um, that can create quite a that bit. That sounds of, like Fourth of July fireworks. Yeah, you ask me. that sounds awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's bad. That's, that's a recipe situation. for disaster. Yeah. Uh, that's word to the wise for board members who listen to our show. Yeah, think Pay very attention. carefully <laughs> as to who you pick as interim, and yeah. an internal candidate right. may not always be the best. Yeah, and that that gets that gets tough. And you know, anytime you have two employees going up for any of the same yes. job, um, that's bad. I think it's even worse when you get the higher up the like, rung you go because. Man, um, it is hard to work for the person that got your job. <laughs> it is. I have not seen that done successfully very often. It's usually resulted in one of the two people leaving. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I don't know how you mitigate that, but yeah. well, you have difficult. to wonder that if, it, if that's the case and the person, one of the people have to leave because they don't feel like they're being fulfilled, then as an organization, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we want to keep all the best of the best, but we also don't want to keep people from being their best. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the struggle that happens when you have two great candidates. So how do you feed those? And if you can't feed them, then we have to realize that we have to let them go so they can continue to feed our community. That's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. And I've actually seen organizations, one in particular, who tried to do a co director oh. Oh. scenario. How did that work? I could know. I didn't even <laughs> no. the thought of it. One ended up leaving. I, yeah. But I think it was because they just couldn't make the decision or didn't want to or what, yeah. you know, it was very difficult. But those are the times when I think you need strong leadership yeah. at the board yeah. level. Right. And staff level yeah. to say this is not a good idea for our organizational health. And I think that's where that reorganization comes from. Mm-hmm. So you have everything divided up and piecemealed out. And then the question is, do you want to replace that person or do you want to change it over and restructure and maybe move this person around? And then you do have, mm-hmm. you create two positions that are used to be one, but now you have two promotion and will the budget fiscally carry something along those lines. And yeah. what does that look like right. if you eliminate this position and go from, for for example, I've seen a VP position be completely cut out and two directors positions. 
been created where one takes mm-hmm. over marketing and one takes over fund development, for example, as opposed right. to a VP of mm-hmm. marketing and fund development. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that be very successful. Right. And I've also seen it be a nightmare where they start talking and polling. Well, that's marketing. No, 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 that's fund development. And right. you know, uh, so you really, unless you can get some nice clear lines of, which can be difficult yeah. if you have internal candidates. I also think, though, that if it's a situation where you've had one really high capacity individual in a position, that oftentimes it takes more than one person to replace them at a, at a, at a certain point. I have point. seen yeah. that multiple times take place. And what always cracks me up on a, on a, on a personal note is you see that happen and you see the board or and or the staff be like shocked. Like, oh, they did that. Oh, they exactly. did this. And well, how did they take care of all that? And right. especially when there was perhaps the reason for the individual leaving was because they couldn't come to terms with, I don't know, a benefits package or whatever that <laughs> yes. might be. And then so you, you start to go, hmm, maybe Turns out we should have offered them the, <laughs> right. the right comp and the right benefits. <laughs> right. So that's where I think good succession planning comes into place, uh, as well as also just good job descriptions mm-hmm. and other duties as a sign can be a catch all that is a big, big net. And so I'm yeah. always very careful mm-hmm. when people put that. We all need it right mm-hmm. in our job Absolutely. descriptions, but Really, my, I always say if you're spending more than 5% of your time on something, it should not be other dudes assigned. Mm-hmm. If it's more than 5%, it probably needs to be in the job right. description written out. And so. people need to know right. what those things are. <laughs> right. That, because truly, once you get to a point in your position when you've been in it for a long time and you're highly efficient, you really can do a lot of those other duties as assigned. Right. Yeah. So, but if you're new in a role... So what about founder syndrome when you have someone who founded the organization and they've been doing it for such a long time, it becomes second nature. And then you try to replace that person as well from an internal standpoint. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you know, so-and-so did like this, so-and-so did like that. And you didn't even know that they were doing those things because they become so efficient. So it's tricky. You want your people to be highly efficient and effective in their roles, but you also need to keep tabs on, on what it is they're spending their time doing. To make sure that it doesn't lead to some sort of burnout or a situation where somebody leaves and and it's almost impossible to replace them. So did you, uh, you said you mentioned before that you identified with your supervisor that you were perhaps ready for more, even though you didn't realize that you were doing that. (laughs) So uh, kind of a a thought for our listeners, Mm -hmm. for those who are going, yes, yes, I want more, I want more. But gosh, I hate to say anything, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. what types of messages should you be sending to your board or your supervisor or maybe to fellow colleagues? Because perhaps internal promotion is not possible because mm-hmm. of whatever the current structure is. And so you may have to go externally and they'll say, mm-hmm. oh, Marjorie, she'll never leave. She's been with that organization forever. So how do you how do you approach the conversation <laughs> and say, hey, Katie, I'm thinking of growing and that may mean I have to leave. Like, that's a scary conversation. Sure. Any advice for our listeners on on who they would have that conversation with and what it might look like? Well, I think it's really important that you have it with your direct supervisor. And if that's the ED or CEO, that, that that's the person you're talking to. And hopefully you're talking to that person on a regular basis. So it's not like a, I show up in your office one day and this is the first conversation we've had <laughs> all month. As you're introducing yeah. yourself yes. to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hopefully you're meeting on a regular basis and talking about goals and you have a performance management system in place because to me, those are where you can have those conversations very yeah. naturally. You're working on your professional development goals. 
What do you want to be when you grow mapping up? it out? Okay. You know, really oh, good question. Calling it out for the people who are in charge is really important because they might have not had the epiphany yet that you're going to be fabulous as right. the top dog. Yeah. So putting that in front of people as a goal and that you want to learn how to do that and, and mm-hmm. be ready to do that in two or three years or whatever that timeline is so that they can help you develop into that person and hopefully create an organizational succession plan. Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. <laughs> and what everybody's supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, we would be so happy with right. you. <laughs> so if that's the possibility that it doesn't completely alienate the person who's in the leadership role, I, I, that would be my suggestion. And hopefully they're a strong enough leader that it doesn't. And they see that as a really strong characteristic. Yeah. Uh, that's I, I think that's how right. I would see it and help that person develop into, you know, if it's my job they want, well, then I, can start thinking about my next career move. That's a very good point because they they may have this, I hate to go anywhere because I have no one else who wants right. to step mm-hmm. up and I really want to retire and do pottery for the rest of my life. And now they know that that could be a potential, right? Right. You uh, never know what the future holds. And mm-hmm. I think it's just mm-hmm. important to, pl- you know, for as much as you can to plan. Mm-hmm. And I think for our executive leaders who are listening to the show also use that as word to the wise and be asking proactively mm-hmm. to your staff who may be hesitant bringing it up and, maybe not as confident as to have that conversation because it can be intimidating to sure. to some people. So I know one of the best lessons I ever learned was I asked someone who uh, was in my team and I said, so I'm thinking along the lines that eventually I'd like to move into a role like this. What would that look like? And they looked at me very quickly and said, please don't do that. <laughs> and I went, whoa, and I stopped everything. And although it was a year long plan, mm-hmm. It was good to hear what their thoughts were, sure. and he mm-hmm. was giving me his vision, and he had a whole different hobby outside of work that he really wanted to develop more, and that would cut into that time. And I'm so glad I had that conversation, because mm-hmm. yeah. what happened if I moved it along that journey, and then it wasn't what he wanted, and then he took it because he felt guilty, as we all do a nonprofit, yeah. and then <laughs> right. was unhappy, and I lost a great leader because right. I didn't ask the right questions. So yeah. uh, if you're not uh, asking the right questions of your uh your individuals, then you're really doing yourself and your organization a disservice. And on the flip side, for the person who's actually thinking about this, what's the worst that's going to happen? Right. You're not, I'm assuming, not going to get fired because you say at some point you want to be the leader of the organization. (laughs) Hopefully not. Well, I would think (laughs) that. And and if you do, you probably have a really great case. And we have lots of nonprofit (laughs) attorneys that listen to our show that, you know, we can get you hooked up with. So there's nothing wrong with having big goals and and saying them out loud. Agreed. To the right people. To the right people. So before we go, I want to hear from you guys. What's the biggest slip up that you made when going from beer, a peer to boss? Oh, only one? Just, yeah, the biggest <laughs> one. <laughs> um, probably for me, the, I, I, oh, it pains me to say it out loud. <laughs> I remember getting access to information that I previously I didn't have access to. And mm. I really wanted some people to like me and still think that I was just one of them and I was cool. So I thought by sharing some of this information, you know, of course, don't tell anybody, you know, <laughs> uh, backfired to getting called into the CEO's office and going, so how did they find out about this? And I went, oh, no. and I'm like, well, I'm not sure which backfired into, well, they said they got it from you. And I'm like, and now I have to own this. And so uh, just that print and it wasn't a, uh, Gratefully, I, I learned a lesson on something very small, uh, as opposed to something that really could have gotten me in big trouble quickly. But it was a great lesson to learn that people are going to like you for you mm-hmm. and uh, not for what you know and who you know. And anyone who says, can you get access to that? Can you find that out? That's that's not professional and it's not right. And so it was a, it was a hard lesson to learn. 
And it took a few years, actually, in that relationship with those people for me to, be, to begin to trust them again. So oh, yeah. that was wow. that was tough. Yeah, that that's tricky. I, I you know it's hard to pinpoint. You know, we all make mistakes as we <laughs> learn and grow. I think for me, one of the hardest transitions was stepping back from my previous role mm-hmm. and just not being in it and not letting people come to me because you still want to be you and be open as I am with all my staff. Right. But really having to say, you know what, you, you don't, don't talk to me about this. Go to your new right supervisor yeah. for redirecting them. Which was hard when people are used to coming to you and they, and you can tell you're kind of hurting their feelings and they're also adjusting and uh-huh. it's, you know, it's people, yeah. it's emotions, <laughs> you know, just trying to navigate so that it's still productive and you're letting your new person grow and come into their own. What about you, Marjorie? What was your big slip up? For me, the biggest one was not, um, not stepping in in the places where I should have to, sometimes to avoid conflict. Um, I had uh, two employees that just didn't get along. And so I assumed by just telling them to learn to get along, <laughs> right. that they would just do that. How did that work for you? Um, all three of us ended up in a, first of, there was a screaming match between the two of us that I, I sat through and tried to figure out how I even stop. And oh, then no. there was, then we all actually ended up in our larger organization's uh HR office, all three of us trying to work this out. So um, I I learned that, you know, sometimes you got to step in much earlier. Um, And also uh, it helps to hire people that can get along with each other. That don't argue with each other. Yes. (laughs) All good lessons. No, very good lessons. Well, I know I learned a lot by having you on the show, Katie. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me. And Katie, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I am great on email. Kron at southside-ecc.org, or you could call Southside. Okay, perfect. And so thank you to thank you to you, Katie, for joining us, and thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. We're recording at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio, and the show is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast or whatever it is you use to download podcasts, subscribe, leave us some, leave us some feedback so that everybody else can find us. You can also find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening, and remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.